How long did you live in Massachusetts for, Kale? It's um not I'm not very long, like six years. Got any spooky stories? <laughs> only with uh, aliens, but yeah, there was one time that we saw some crazy lights in the middle of nowhere, and yeah, that was that was spooky. But no, nothing related to to ghosts or supernatural. Where'd you see the lights? Uh, in Sutton, Mass, in my aunt's backyard. Yeah, and I mean, I was a child, so I don't know what I saw, but we got it on um, VHS camcorder. Ooh. Yeah, were wine coolers involved? Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> not coolers. <laughs> <laughs> And what are I, we children? <laughs> I yeah no I, I I don't know even know how old I was probably seven or eight but yeah oh, was... so so you guys have the wine coolers mm-hmm. yes <laughs> <laughs> well uh, you would go visit your aunt like every year for ever though yeah oh yeah it was yeah that's that's what I was about to say like only for like six or seven years uh, living there but yeah it was definitely a destination every summer so for like a month or better huh. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it was two weeks, sometimes it was a month. I've been, I've been, Massachusetts is so small comparatively to like Florida and Colorado that, like, yeah, I feel like I've been everywhere in Massachusetts. But yeah, I mean, obviously not. We went on our honeymoon in Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right, Cape you guys Claude. did. Yeah, yeah, Cape Cod, Boston, Salem. Yep. It was, town. It was awesome. Yeah, it was sweet. It was a, uh, <laughs> yeah. The interesting choice for honeymoon, yeah, in Massachusetts, <laughs> and we went like right when the off season started, so yeah, it was like deserted. Oh cool. yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, probably probably for the best. I'm sure we got to see the real side of Massachusetts. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was fun. Well, speaking of Massachusetts, welcome to Under the Pendulum. I'm Chris here with Heather. Hello, and joining us today is Kale Thomas. Hello, wicked awesome. Y'all <laughs> yeah. might remember him from the um. Baseball disasters. Baseball mm-hmm. disasters episode we did. Yep, one of my favorites. That was that was wicked terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so tragic. Yeah, that so was a, that was a fun one. Yeah. Like one <laughs> so we're back. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah we're back we've, into it, buddy. We're back, baby. <laughs> and so to ease back into things, we're going to do some good old fashioned stories about hauntings. Yay! <laughs> so in this episode, we're going all the way to the East Coast to Massachusetts. Taxachusetts. <laughs> right, am I right? Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> and of course, who better to talk about Massachusetts than our friend Kale over here? Yeah, I know everything about Massachusetts. <laughs> All of it. Ask me anything. I'm going to be interested to see if you know any of these legends or ghost stories. All right. Probably not, but we'll see. Well, you maybe. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Never know. There's so many. <laughs> <laughs> so we've actually visited Massachusetts before in this show. If you remember back to our Deadly Fires episode, we talked about the Coconut Grove Fire of 1927 in Boston. Oh, yeah. It's fucking harrowing. Yeah. Uh, We also went back to Boston in our Deadly Blunders episode with the Great Boston Molasses Flood of 1919. Who could forget? I'm sticky. (laughs) I'm still sticky. (laughs) It won't come out. Uh, That's like the most awful and best way to die. (laughs) Sorry. I love to die. I would love to die like the fat kid in Willy Wonka. Oh, yeah. Augustus Gloop. Oh, oh the molasses. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I mean, just it's it's horrible, but, you know, it's it's, it's delicious. At the yeah, same time. yeah. It's, it I think it would get old really quick. Yeah. <laughs> it would get old and terrifying very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very strong smell, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I guess viscosity. molasses is not as delicious as i as i think of molasses just sounds so good in my head yeah Yeah. you're not a fan of gingerbread no a lot of that in there no the gingerbread is uh the worst cookie nope yeah that's the worst (laughs) nope (laughs) put that on my tombstone (laughs) so some of you listeners might be disappointed that we will not be talking about salem or lizzie borden yeah but we're not here to regurgitate stories that you've all heard before And we hope that some of these stories may be new to those who did not reside in the baked bean state. (laughs) (laughs) It's got quite a few nicknames that I just, I love to bake bean state. (laughs) Because that's where you get all the wicked fats. That's right. (laughs) 
Bushes all day. Bushes. <laughs> Is there any other kind of bean? I don't. I don't think uh, so. I don't know. It's all, it's all fucking garbage. I don't think I've ever tried another baked bean. Maybe I have, and I was unaware. Oh, no. Tried English baked beans, but I don't know. I if like I've those. Ever. Well, yeah, those are good. That's, I don't know if I've actually ever tried another brand either. Speaking of molasses, right? I mean, it's got to be a bunch of molasses. Probably molasses in there. Probably. Bushes baked beans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the queen bean. Hmm. Mm. I love the queen bean. <laughs> mm. Those of you who don't know, the queen bean is that piece of bacon in there, and mm. I never oh. knew of a term for it until meeting your family. Courtesy um, of Ren and Stimpy. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yes, that's right. <laughs> the queen bean. <laughs> so Massachusetts has a reputation as a spooky place. The Bridgewater Triangle, for instance, resides in the southeastern part of the state and is a buffet of paranormal, extraterrestrial, and cryptid sightings. Mm. The state also has its fair share of ghost stories. We so far have evidence of human habitation in the area going back 9,000 to 10,000 years ago. And it was home to tribes like the Mohican, the Nipmuc, I gotta hope I said that right, and the Wampanoag peoples, just among some of the other big tribes. Mm. And then we get early European immigrants coming to the shores in the 1600s. So the area has a long history of habitation, conflict, and tragedy. Yep. Which makes for just a delicious soup of paranormal paranormal. activity. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Witches. Oh, yeah. Not to mention them bitches. (laughs) Everything's a witch. (laughs) So, yeah, I guess I'll go first. Yeah. So this is the story of the old coot. The old coot. I don't know about this one. I had a teacher named Mrs. Coot. (laughs) Proceed, proceed. Was she she an old coot or just an old bitch? She was such a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Coots. I live up to my namesake. (laughs) My mom never had a problem with like any teacher, but she said she hated that woman. (laughs) Wow. If you're out there, Miss Coots, go to hell. I hope you're. Dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily for us, she probably is. So. Sure. Too many baked beans. <laughs> I hope you died in molasses. <laughs> uh, that's terrible. I hope she's okay. <laughs> I hope she's just as unpleasant as she was years ago. Oh. So, there is a spirit that is said to haunt Mount Greylock in the northwest corner of the state. It is the shade of a man, disheveled and worn, trudging up the mountain near Bellows Pipe and Thunderbolt Trails. He is said to be wearing a ragged Civil War uniform, and many in the area believe that they know the identity of the specter. Many think it is the ghost of William Saunders, and the story of his end is nothing less than heartbreaking. It's it's fucking sad. This whole story is sad. So the story begins in the mid-1800s. Saunders brought his wife, Belle, and their two young children to North Adams in the Berkshires. He had purchased some land and settled a farmstead there on a hill called Bob's Hill. (laughs) Bob's Hill. Bob's Hill, where we do a lot of bobsledding. (laughs) (laughs) On a side note, what Victorian wife was not named Belle, by the way? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. All I can think of is I, I went off on a tangent in my head about the... Beauty and the Beast when you said Belle, and I didn't even hear the end of that. <laughs> and then it came back to Bob. So I just imagine like Bob going, This is my hill. <laughs> Do you want some? <laughs> like, like, uh, I claim this hill in the name of Bob. Yeah. I wrote my name on a, on a piece of board and I, you know, I stapled it to a tree. It's my hill. Did you just plant a flag? Bob, Bob, yeah. What year was this? Bob flag? Mid 1800s? Yeah, oh, mid 1800s. Oh, yeah. He yeah. just planted a flag. It was, was like, like the 1850s. <laughs> yeah. I'm Bob. This is my hill. <laughs> Don't even look at it. That's, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I, I wonder what he uh, actually did to, uh, to, to, to claim the hill. And who is Bob? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, maybe we'll find out. <laughs> no, he won't. No, we won't. Okay. <laughs> No, we're, we're, we are leaving that part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> so Saunders' farm was said to have been quite successful with an impressively large herd of sheep. Of course, not too long after, the Civil War broke out and Saunders had to leave his family to join the Union Army. So during the first year of the war, he wrote to his wife consistently, asking about the children and hoping for a speedy resolution to the conflict. Not soon after that first year, 
Miss Saunders received a letter from the army stating that her husband had been seriously wounded in battle mm -hmm. and may not survive. Belle was devastated and hoped that she would get some kind of letter or correspondence from William, but one never came. Oh. Knowing that she still had to run a farm and had small children to provide for, she hired a farmhand, a young man named Milton Clifford, to help her. Ooh. As a few years passed and she still received no indication of William's recovery or death, she assumed the worst, that he had died. After some time, Belle and Milton married and he adopted the children as his own. Of course they did. <laughs> the war finally ended in 1865, and one of the soldiers who got to go back home was none other than the bearded and worn William Saunders. Oh, no. <laughs> he had been seriously wounded in battle, but recovered and had kept fighting, even though he was now a bit disfigured. <laughs> they never say how disfigured. I know. He like, had a beard. A I mean, the standards were... Probably different back then for disfigurement. I got a bit of the disfigured. <laughs> she just didn't recognize. He had a beard. Yeah, it might have been horrible, and I'm just making it sound like a cold. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> just a beard. She was just like, oh, you're just so disfigured. I'm, I'm pretty happy oh, with God. This, uh, Milton Clifford. War's hell. <laughs> I mean, it's really long. It's like, come on. <laughs> it kept me warm. So the war <laughs> left its marks not only on the landscape, but on the face of Saunders as well. But he was so happy to get back to his family. As Saunders finally made his way home and saw it in the distance, he saw Belle in the arms of another man. <gasps> he approached to get a closer look, but hid so as not to be seen. He saw Belle and this man embracing, and he saw his children, now much bigger than when he had left them as babes, calling this new man daddy. <gasps> Saunders was sick with grief and devastation. He could have stormed over and confronted his wife and the man, but what was the point? He was different now, and he looked different. He had a beard. He had a beard. <laughs> <laughs> his children had a new father, and Belle had moved on, and it had been years since she last heard from him. He's the beast. He's Beauty and the Beast. He's the Beast. This is where it started, yeah. Belle and he's yeah. the Beast. And all the cutlery started dancing. Yeah. And, yeah. and a gay candlestick it came out. It was farm equipment yeah. in this scenario, but... Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think. I don't really know the plot of Beauty and the Beast too well. I, he's the Beast. Her name's Belle. And yeah. Anyway. He's disfigured. It's terrible. <laughs> it's really more of a curse kind of thing. Oh, you know. uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> See? <laughs> Forks and knives. <laughs> so Saunders turned from the site and headed toward Mount Greylock. He marched up the mountain to a secluded spot that seemed suitable enough and built a small cabin, more of a shack really, right there on Bellows Pipe. And there he would live as a hermit until his death. Aww. He would come down from the mountain to work on other local farms for wages. He was very much like a ghost in life. No one from his past recognized him. Not even his own family recognized him when he would occasionally work on the farm. Even when he shared a meal with them, they never realized. His long hair, cavernous wrinkles, and disfigured face never gave a hint to his family. And he was oh always wearing a sheet. <laughs> That's so sad. And that is how he lived out his life. He was... Timothy McVeigh. <laughs> <laughs> and he would later go bomb. No, <laughs> he was called Old Coot around town, and he never objected. Maybe he had lost his mind during the war and the loss of his family. They say that he would walk to a spot on the mountain that overlooked his old farm, and he would watch over his family. One winter, hunters were on the mountain tracking when they stumbled upon Saunders' cabin. They knocked to see if anyone was there so they could get out of the cold for a moment. Hearing no reply and assuming it was vacant, they opened the door. And there they found the dead, frozen body of Saunders. One version of the story says that the hunters actually got there at the moment of his passing. And when they opened the door, his spirit flew right past them and up the ah, mountain. What? Woo! And that spirit is said to haunt the mountainside along Bellows Pipe and Thunderbolt trails, even to this day. Mm -hmm. On a cold, snowy day, you may see Saunders trudging his way up the mountain, but never coming down. Aww. 
He's Poor a guy. Ghost footprints. <laughs> <laughs> so I snow. read a few versions of the story, and I have to point out one in particular. So it was from a site called mysterioushills.blogspot.com. And it's a blog site written by a guy named Joe Derwin. And it seems like it's a blog site about the paranormal and other legends from the Berkshire region. Yeah. Um, he was also working on a book about the area and collecting folklore and other stories. But I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if his book ever got made, but people are able to comment on his blog posts. <laughs> and I gotta say I don't know what the guy did or why he got some hate, but man, the comments are fucking brutal. Are they? <laughs> Let me share a couple with you. Oh, please. Yes. So this is from the page about the old coot. Okay. So one unknown said, nice post. Thanks for the shared it with us. And then another unknown said, terrible post, as are all the rest of yours. Someday you might be able to buy yourself a happy meal with all the profits from your book, LOL. Give up, Joe. You suck. What? Oh. Another unknown said, enjoyed the story very well. Thank you for sharing it with us. It was <laughs> promptly followed up with, everyone who grew up in Berkshire County knows this story, LOL. So no, actually, you suck. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> He's literally <laughs> sucking on something. <laughs> and this is I, from another- I love when people use literally. <laughs> Like that. Literally, you suck. He, he didn't you, quite use it in the he, right place. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess kind of him. You literally suck. And so I'll just have to share one more. And this is from another post he did called Notes in the Field. First unknown said, nice post. Thanks for the shared it with us. Same same thing, basically. Okay. Sounds like a bot. Second, second unknown said, not well written. Terrible writer. Don't quit your day job selling Twinkies. Whoa. And then second Twink? unknown said, you like Twinkies, don't you? What? Or do you just like Twinks? I forgot. <laughs> what? Jeez. Yeah, harsh, man. I don't know if they dislike gay people or or Twinkies. Uh, the last guy definitely did, but like yeah, I, this, the uh, Derwin has not updated the website since 2015. Oh, yeah. it crushed his dreams. He wasn't that bad. I mean, I wasn't wonder... like the greatest writing, but. It wasn't like that yeah. bad. Tweaking. I if there's a scandal of some sort. That's yeah, weird. I don't know. It seems it seems very. I don't know. It's either he, trolls or or, you know. He had he had written a book about Twinks and Twinkies. That's what was probably the name of the the book. Twinks and Twinkies. It was by, a fanfic. By uh, what's his name? Twinkie here? fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh man! That's a. <laughs> the possibilities are endless. I know. <laughs> What's oh. the name of that writer with the the oh, book and our um, Chuck Tingle? <laughs> Chuck Tingle, that <laughs> Twinks and Twinkies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if anybody's hearing, uh, wants to read a great book, uh, what's the one in our bathroom? Damn it! Oh, I um, don't know. Uh, I anyway, let I'm partial to it. Bigfoot Ghosts Haunt My Balls. That's my yes. favorite story by there him. There we go. Yes. Yeah, I guess I guess hit one by him might be like, "Ghost Twinkie haunts my asshole." Or yeah, pounded <laughs> in the butt by by a ghost Twinkie. Yeah, <laughs> See, that's what these people are angry about. I heard book Twink and Twinkies. <laughs> I know, and it's like, dude, leave Twinkies alone. Leave gay people alone. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's because the guy wants to write a book, you know. And those are his interests. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really didn't understand the hate <laughs> that he got. It, I feel like it was very unwarranted. Fucking internet. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, that is the story of the old coot. Well, that was very sad. Yeah, yeah. it's horribly sad. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> and actually, supposedly, a paper snapped a picture, which Ooh. we will put up on our social media Ooh. post. Ooh. It's a cool looking picture, but Ooh. it's not obviously a ghost. But it's a cool looking it's picture. Really, yes. really sad. Just a sad ghost. He doesn't. I. I mean, nothing was said where he uh, seems to be disturbing anybody. He just no. seems to be a sad ghost. Yeah, He's just walking up and down that hill. Yeah, I read on another. Uh, another site that I was cross-referencing things that um, yeah. it's probably all made up that um, what because it's like people <laughs> people ski on that part yeah and I think they just kind of drummed it up to get more people oh, to come out and stuff yep, so romanticized yeah. Bob's Hill yeah mm -hmm. I mean yeah it would be if, if ghosts exist and everything and 
you know, that's debatable. But if they do, I mean, you'd have to be quite a thing to get stuck in. You know, you're just like your your spirit is stuck here on earth, and you just got a hill on this godforsaken <laughs> mountain. <laughs> yeah, just. Man, I got to do this every day for eternity. So his house was on Bob's Hill. He haunts Mount Greylock. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, (laughs) that's all right. Well, I'm only covering one story today. Um, I was going to do two like you, but there was just so much on this that it ended up just being this one. Yeah, it looked like a meaty one when I uh, looked that one up too. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the Hoosick Tunnel. Hoosick? Who's Who's who? What? Who's sick? Who's sick? Sounds like Adam Sandler. Who's sick? Don't know. That was really bad, but <laughs> I thought that was spot on. Who's <laughs> sick? <laughs> oh man, we are millennials. Uh-huh. Or whatever. Are we millennials? For you kids who don't know, Adam Sandler's what it is. <laughs> yeah. was a comedian in yeah. the '90s, <laughs> and then he died. <laughs> him and chris farley same night yeah yep yep so the hoosick tunnel is a four and three quarter mile long railroad tunnel that runs from florida mass to north adams see when i read that i thought they meant florida i did too and i was like how many states does this thing stretch i know across? it's like it's a big ass tunnel I, I didn't realize there was a florida massachusetts i, I didn't either until just recently <laughs> Uh, It was built in order to connect Boston to New York City to make travel easier between the two cities. The original idea for this route between the two regions was conceived in 1819, but it was initially envisioned to be a man-made canal. After surveys and proposals were presented for the project in 1825, plans did not move forward, as it would be incredibly costly and had a great obstacle to overcome. The Hoosick Mountains. The what's it? The Hoosick Mountains. (laughs) Hoosick Mountains. These would need to be carved through in order to create the passage, and it would have been a massive undertaking. But capitalism will not go quietly into the night, as we have learned from a great many tales of American hubris. Hell no, it won't. (laughs) Woo, America. (laughs) Alva Crocker, a paper mill owner out of Fitchburg and future Congress member, began lobbying to make this route a reality. At this time, he happened to be elected to the Massachusetts legislature. Oh, I knew I was going to trip up on this. Massachusetts le- legislature. <laughs> At this time, he happened to be elected to the Massachusetts legislature. And his poll was incredibly influential to the cause. It's a lot of S's in a row. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. Now, he argued that the more southern towns had railroads of their own, And they also had difficult terrain to traverse. The northern towns were being left out, and damn it, that wasn't fair. Not only that, but he also acquired a charter for a new railroad, eventually becoming president of the Fitchburg Railroad. And and as a side note, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Crocker was incredibly influential to modern tunneling in general. Oh, interesting. Really a pioneer. Oh, wow. in, In the whole process. So, anywho, all of this paid off, of course. And in 1848, plans to carve through the Hoosick Mountains were given the green light. Testing of boring through the mountain began in January 1851, and this process would prove to be a warning of the difficulties that completing this project would bring. They had originally thought the project would be completed in just over four years. In fact, it would be 24 years before the first train would pass through the tunnel. Just a little extra time. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I see it. (laughs) It was a union job. What? <laughs> Our employees need to have babies so the next generation can <laughs> work in the fucking mines. No kidding. Yeah, I got a pension, you know. <laughs> it was a slow, agonizing process of machinery breaking during construction that gave way to hand digging and blasting. There was misjudgment of aligning the tunnel segments, crumbling or porridge stone, and so much more that went wrong. He's an innovator, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Naturally, all of these pitfalls and the very nature of carving a fucking tunnel through a mountain in the 1800s led to extremely dangerous working conditions. During the construction of the Hoosick Tunnel, 195 people were either seriously injured or killed. 
there were 135 verified deaths. Nice. Yeah. That's quite a few. Yeah. They're just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm imagining them like in eight, the 1800s trying to build a tunnel through a mountain and like one side, they were just like knocking, you know, and just like, hey, can you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> knock, knock, knock. It's, it's just like, trying to find a way no, yeah, to each no, other. Uh, no, I can't quite hear you. It's like, <laughs> All right, we're going to put some dynamite here. <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> oh, we can hear you now. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That's, that's rough. Yeah. 100, yeah. 135 deaths. Yeah. Innovation, my friend. Yeah. yeah. Well, In 24 so. years, you know, got to break some eggs. <laughs> Capitalism yeah. needs blood. Yeah. I mean, the men died from everything from explosions to being trapped under fallen rock to drowning to suffocation. Oh, my God. One guy died of old age while he was building. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Conditions were so awful that some of the workers went on strike in 1865 and burnt down buildings in their angry protests. Those who survived the project named the tunnel the Bloody Pit. Fucking cool ass name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there <laughs> is quite a lot of information out there, like we said, about the history of the Hoosick Tunnel. So if you'd like to learn what? more, there are books and podcasts out the wazoo about it. The wazoo or the Hoosick and the The Hoosick wazoo, yeah. <laughs> well, now, after this history lesson, on to the spooky ghosts. Yay. So 135 <laughs> of them, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Number one. It's like a YouTube list. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> 135 spooky ghosts from the Hoosick Tunnel. Number 135. You won't believe. <laughs> yeah. Are you still watching? <laughs> <laughs> so our first story is that of Ned Brinkman, Billy Nash, and Ringo Kelly. These men were explosives experts, and on a March afternoon in 1865, they set a charge of a new explosive nitroglycerin. After the charge was set by Kelly, the three men ran toward cover. But for some reason, the charge went off prematurely. Kelly had made it to cover, but Nash and Brinkman did not, and were buried under tons of rock and debris. It was devastating to Kelly, and he was reportedly distraught by his miscalculation. His mental state quickly deteriorated as he became distant and high-strung. During the few days following the aftermath, he had told some of his co-workers that he heard whispering in the tunnel when no one else was around, and he Ugh. could see shadowy figures following him. Then, he disappeared. See, that would that's like way worse than the molasses factory. <laughs> yeah. Rocks, you know, covered in rocks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. that would suck. <laughs> <laughs> after he disappeared, Kelly was not seen until ten days after the accident when he was found dead two miles into the tunnel, on the exact same spot where Nash and Brinkman were killed. What? Mm-hmm. But it gets stranger. Kelly had been strangled to death. What? Now, by, co- by molasses? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course, one would assume that an angry co-worker had gone after Kelly to avenge the deaths of the other two men. However, after the police conducted an investigation, no suspects were found, and therefore no one was charged with the crime. Because the police just kind of was like, did you do it? Okay. You, yeah. Did you do it? Okay. Did yeah, you do it? They didn't All right. Make- I think our investigation's done here. Yeah. <laughs> there was ectoplasm everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> they just didn't know what it was. They didn't know what it was. Yeah. It was the 1800s. They didn't see Ghostbusters. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah, you know, it's it's not his fault that the dynamite went off a little prematurely. I mean, uh, I mean, he. I'm. Uh, it's unclear whether he detonated it early uh, without making sure the other two made it back. They don't really say for oh, sure, and I, I guess he was the only one who really knew, right? Uh, like what happened. But um, you know, no one was charged with the crime, but many of the other workers believed it was the doing of the vengeful spirits of Nash and Brinkman themselves. And they were frightened to enter that part of the tunnel for fear it was cursed. And this actually resulted in long-term delays in work and men quitting the job entirely. And it was disastrous for construction. And this went on for a few years. Yeah, foremans don't want to hear that when a job needs to get done. But but it's haunted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
I, 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 this should be Nash and Brinkman ghost murderers. That's a TV show too. <laughs> right yeah, and you know what? The boss is haunting my ass. Get it done. <laughs> <laughs> well, because of this, you know, something had to be done. In an excerpt from Historic Haunted America by Michael Norman and Beth Scott, we have a firsthand account taken from a letter written by Paul Travers to his sister three years after the accident. Travers was a mechanical engineer and respected Union Army Cavalry officer who was brought in to investigate and dispel these rumors. Instead, Travers details the frightening excursion he went on with the Mr. Dunn to that fateful spot in the tunnel. Quote, The men constantly complain of hearing a man's voice cry out in agony and refuse to enter the great shaft after nightfall. Mr. Dunn has reassured them time and time again that the strange sound is nothing more than the wild wind sweeping down off the mountainside. Our work has slowed to the point where Mr. Dunn asked me to help him conduct an investigation into the matter. Last night, Mr. Dunn and I entered the Great Tunnel at exactly 9 p.m. We traveled about two miles into the shaft and then stopped to listen. As we stood there in the cold silence, we both heard what truly sounded like a man groaning out in pain. As you know, I have heard this same sound many times during the war. Yet when we turned up the wicks on our lamps, there were no other human beings in the shaft except Mr. Dunn and myself. I'll admit, I haven't been this frightened since Shiloh. Mr. Dunn agreed that it wasn't the wind we heard. Perhaps Nash or Brinkman, I wonder? End quote. Oh. Such a tragic accident, but only three men's stories out of 135 that lost their lives. Number 134. One thirty-four. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was gonna say that the the guy was like, "It's just the winds coming down from the mountains." It's like, no, it's just the haunting screams of the indigenous people that we killed coming down the mountains. It's not these miners. It's fine. <laughs> yep. That no, too. he said wicked. <laughs> <laughs> it's wicked awful. It was oh, I'm wicked. I'm wicked in pain. <laughs> Oh, I'm like wicked being strangled right now. <laughs> oh, I cannot do a, a Boston accent. Just think of JFK. <laughs> oh my God, I'm being strangled. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, or lobster. Think of lobster. Lobsters. Oh my mm. God, lobsters are strangling me. <laughs> so you see, it's just just keep piling them up. <laughs> All right. And Heather told me that uh, I was going to be doing this with you guys. The first thing I thought of was lobster ghosts. <laughs> the most Massachusetts thing ever. But, you know, there were none. <laughs> when Heather was looking up, you know, things to, to research. No lobster ghosts. I know it was I mean, tragic. Not not the nothing. Not the tiny screams of thousands of lobsters <laughs> off the bay. You know, uh, yeah. like a cold night. There's a lot of us. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put us in butter. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like being boiled alive. Yeah, if you're gonna do it, put a, a not knife, a knife through in our heads. <laughs> well. Only a month after Travers' terrifying experience, the most terrible catastrophe of Hoosick Tunnel's history was about to unfold. In October of 1868, men were working in the tunnel when an explosion went off within the vertical exhaust shaft. This explosion was ignited when a candle ignited naphtha gas from a leaking gasometer lamp in a surface pumping station. The central shaft became inundated with debris. Thirteen men were trapped beneath and if any hope of survival was there, the situation grew more hopeless as the shaft filled with water oh. with no pump to get it out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the hilarity ensues. It's oh, a pool party. <laughs> I know, a pool party, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I heard them laughing. No. <laughs> In hopes of recovering any possible survivors, a miner by the name of Mallory volunteered to be lowered down into the shaft below on a bucket and rope rig on a potential rescue mission. When he was hoisted back up, he was on the edge of passing out. That's a big bucket. Yeah. He 
He reportedly said that he could see no one and that there was no hope. Well, a year passed, and during that time, some of the poor men's bodies floated up and out of the shaft. In an excerpt from The Historic Haunted America, a first-hand account from correspondent Glenn Drohan of the North Adams Transcript details the strange reports that were surfacing. Quote, During the time the miners were missing, villagers told strange tales of vague shapes and muffled wails near the water-filled pit. Workmen claimed to see the lost miners carrying picks and shovels through a shroud of mist and snow at the mountaintop. The ghostly apparitions would appear briefly, then vanish, leaving no footprints in the snow, giving no answers to the miners' calls. End quote. Poor, poor guy. I mean, they're just, like, stuck, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, they, I got to do my job. Just, <laughs> uh, I know, you, you got to work in the afterlife. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like, bummer. man. That sucks. Yeah. This is totally unrelated, but when you said muffled whales, I I heard muffin whales. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course, you know, you picture little tiny muffins wailing and, yeah. and or, you know. or our cat going, ah Oh yeah. Her name's Muffin. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for not whaling, Muffin. Yeah. Heather, I, w- still I, time. I don't appreciate you saying our uh, names of our cats on your podcast. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we need to keep their identities. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Are you going to yeah. read their social security numbers now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need to already put veils over their heads when we take them outside. That's very true. <laughs> We're those people. For all of you young kids, that's what Michael Jackson did with his children. <laughs> <laughs> well... Workers were also able to get back down into that section of the tunnel as this year passed, and they made a terrible discovery. Apparently, some of those who were trapped did survive the initial explosion. They found a makeshift raft with a few dead men on top of it. Oh, man. It was likely that they slowly suffocated. The remaining missing workers were given a proper burial, and the strange sightings and eerie wails in that section of the tunnel seemed to subside. However, they never entirely stopped. That's wild. I can't, because you imagine like it's got to be pitch black in there. Yeah. And they're able to make a raft. I know. That's fucking wild. Yeah. Um, maybe like a lantern fell down with them or something. Uh, I don't know how or, they did it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they just like felt for it, you know. It's really sad too that they, they gave up kind of quickly. <laughs> they, they're like, no hope. Well, I, I don't well, see yeah. anybody. No hope. <laughs> like, yeah. I guess I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, they don't have like flashlights and stuff. And, well, you know, good. Like, they just had candles or or I mean, lanterns. When they pulled the guy up, he was on the verge of passing out, and apparently oh, the fumes were really yeah, bad down okay. there. Something, something was making yeah, him like yeah, I'm not sense. going back down. It, or, yeah, or so, like no one could survive down there if I, I could only do it for a couple minutes. <laughs> He's like, they're dead. They're all dead. Help. <laughs> 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 no, nope, they're all dead. All dead. There's no hope. Please, <laughs> oh. Yeah, maybe he. They, they were like, you know what? If all these people die, we don't have to finish this thing. You know, and, and he was like, okay, yeah, yeah. They're all dead. <laughs> and 24 years later. <laughs> yeah, we were still Damn 10 you. years out from finishing oh, the oh, thing wow. at this oh, point. That's fine. Like, yeah, I'm telling you. They'll just stop here if all the people in there are dead. And then, you know, we won't have to worry about it. And ten years later, he's still working on it. Well, four (laughs) years following the explosion, Dr. Clifford Owens and Drilling Operations Superintendent James McKinstry visited that very site. Dr. Owens recalled his account for a Michigan newspaper. Quote, On the night of June 25th, 1872, James McKinstry and I entered the great excavation at precisely 11.30 p.m. We had traveled about two full miles into the shaft when we finally halted to a rest. Except for the dim smoky light cast by our lamps, the place was as cold and dark as a tomb. James and I stood there talking for a minute or two and were just about to turn back when suddenly I heard a strange mournful sound. It was just as if someone or something was suffering great pain. The next thing I saw was a dim light coming along the tunnel from a westerly direction. At first I believed it was probably a workman with a lantern. Yet, as the light grew closer, it took on a strange blue color and appeared to change shape almost into the form of a human being without a head. The light seemed to be floating along about a foot or two above the tunnel floor. 
In the next instant, it felt as if the temperature had suddenly dropped and a cold, icy chill ran up and down my spine. Ooh. The headless form came so close that I could have reached out and touched it, but I was too terrified to move. For what seemed like an eternity, McKinstry and I just stood there gaping at the headless thing like two wooden Indians. The blue light remained motionless for a few seconds as if it were actually looking us over, then floated off toward the east end of the shaft and vanished into thin air. Ugh. That was hot. <laughs> <laughs> I am above all a realist. Nor am I prone to repeating gossip and wild tales that defy a reasonable explanation. However, in all truth, I cannot deny what James McKinstry and I witnessed with our own eyes. End quote. Oh, I believed you. I thought that was that was you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, you were there. It's funny, like in in you know haunting stuff, you always hear like a cold chill ran up my spine. Yeah. It's like ghosts must love to tickle your spine. They do. They just get their little fingers and just run it up and down your spine. They're learning at ghost school. Yeah. <laughs> you really want to freak them out. Oh, tickle their spine a little. I they s- hate that. Yeah. <laughs> it makes them juice. super uncomfortable. <laughs> now, with such a storied and recorded history of paranormal happenings at the Hoosick Tunnel, it is no what? mystery that a century afterward and beyond that ghost hunters and paranormal investigators have flooded here. Oh, yeah. They've reported feeling uneasy in the tunnel and supposedly strange voices have been caught on tape. And even those that live near the tunnel still report hearing cries in the night, cold spots, and the occasional sighting of an apparition. Whether or not this is true, there is no denying that the Hoosick Tunnel is a place of death and misery. Damn. That's cool. Pit of blood. The bloody pit. The bloody pit. The bloody pit. (laughs) Yeah, those are cool. I like like that last one, uh, the last story a lot. Oh, yeah. With the headless specter. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. It is. They they had some really good recorded, like, firsthand accounts of ghost sightings. Well, the the quotes that I read. Oh, oh, the quotes. Yeah. Because you said they might have caught some audio. Oh, Um, yeah, yeah. Apparently, they... um, some ghost hunters had left a tape recorder going in the cave overnight and they caught some like muffled voices on it or something. Oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll see if we can dig those up for yeah, when we cool. put the episode out. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe throw them up there. And the screaming agonized cries of crushed men. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you all want it. You know, you want it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I got a lot, like most of my source material from who's What's it? <laughs> and I think that um, the dude who runs this website must have an obsession with the Hoosick Tunnel. I don't know. Yeah, and there is more than that, too. That was just a little bit, or the two main stories, I would say, but there is definitely more surrounding it. Oh, yeah. Oh. There's a little taste for you Hoosack maniacs out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really disappointed there was no ghost lobsters or lobster ghosts. Well, there could have been, you know, they may not have lived to tell the tale. Pirate ghosts. Pirate ghosts. So this uh, last one is is pretty fun. It's Ooh. a fun one. I like it. All right. This one is the strange Asa Snow. Asus? Asa Snow. It's a guy's name, Asa. Asa. Snow. Okay. I think that's how you say it. Okay. It's Asa. I, I don't know how else yeah, you would say it. Oh, Asa. Asa. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably Asa. not Asa. <laughs> so, in 1840, a man named Asa Snow moved into a farmhouse in Dana, Massachusetts. Um, I don't know if it's Dana. It seems like it's Dana. Is it D A N A? Yeah. I bet you they say Dana. Dana. Yeah, I bet you they just say yeah, Dana. <laughs> Gonna go over to Dana. Dana, Dana. Yeah. I'll let you guys say it. Yeah. <laughs> so Snow had a reputation as a strange man with the townsfolk. They called him popcorn because Snow's diet consisted mostly of milk and popcorn. What? Oh. Yep. Milk and popcorn. Milk and popcorn. Don't knock until you try it, I, I guess. I wonder if that's like a, a white thing, you know? <laughs> it is a very white <laughs> diet. <everything. laughs> I mean, we I, know somebody who's Probably fifty yeah. percent of their diet is popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Popcorn's I'm, not like bad for you, I guess. Isn't there well, some, some, I guess it depends on what you put on it, right? If you do microwave popcorn oh, often enough, yeah. you can get oh. popcorn lung. Mm. 
I'm serious. Really? Yes. There's a chemical in the butter that if you get it in your lungs enough, it can fuck you up. Wow. Popcorn factory workers. Actually, there's a huge lawsuit about this years ago. Jesus, I didn't know about this. Yeah. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, they want you to believe you get it from uh, vaporizers, but... Uh... Well, you can yeah, oh, if they okay. have well, that chemical in it. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was some liberal woke bullshit. <laughs> They're coming for your popcorn. <laughs> so it said that he was an annoying vegetarian, also, and could get very suspicious about other foods that were offered to him. Huh. And it is also said that Snow was obsessed with death. <laughs> sounds like fun. Yeah, he sounds like a fun guy. Yeah. As if manifesting his obsession, his wife hung herself with a strip of cloth from her dress in August of 1844. Jesus. That's a that's a good fabric. I didn't even know they had popcorn back then. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> that's what I'm shocked about. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Never mind the wife. They yeah, had popcorn yeah, back know, then? That happens. Popcorn, though. <laughs> so there were mumblings in the town that Snow's behavior drove her to it. Whether or not that was the case, Snow loved her and buried her with great care. And to punctuate his bad fortune, his daughter passed away as well the next year. And he buried her next to his beloved wife. Buried her in popcorn. Actually, so we'll we'll get to this. Oh, shit. So in 1868, he disinterred their bodies and moved them to a tomb that he had built on his property. One writer said that there were rumors that he displayed the body of his now four years past wife to anyone who wanted to see. Well, okay. That's nice. Really loved her. Okay. Like, hey, you want to see some? Yeah, yeah. It's like like a dude showing off, like, I don't know. It's Corvette or something. You want to see some gross? Yeah, there you go. Something like that. Jesus. Poke it. Man. (laughs) One penny to poke it with the stick. Two pennies to poke it with your finger. What <laughs> year is this? 1868 now. God, psychos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Victorians. <laughs> so he began to obsess about his own burial. Through handfuls of popcorn that he shoveled into his mouth, <laughs> he planned out an elaborate coffin. I just wrote that for <laughs> I was imagining that was how it was. He was just feverishly making plans and just shoving popcorn. I'm sure he was. Mouth. Yeah, probably. I'm yeah. sure that wasn't too far off. I don't think off. I'm too far off. More yeah. milk. I'm <laughs> not. <laughs> So he had a coffin maker fashion one out of metal, which was unusual and expensive for the time. And he had him install a 10-inch glass window where his head would be. And it seemed that he was fearful that he might be buried alive. So he arranged for the undertaker to check in on his casket, peer through the window, and tap on the glass for any signs of life for seven days before he was finally buried. My God. What in the fucking... Well, I mean, they did have diseases back then where they would bury people, right? And, yeah. But they were still alive. That's why they had the bells in the cemetery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How fucking rich is this guy? Well, uh, well, we'll get to. He, he, was, yeah. he had, you know, pretty good financial. A, Could uh, afford all that popcorn. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a metal coffin with glass. So, actually, to that. answer your question, wow. he paid for these elaborate posthumous arrangements by becoming a loan shark. Mm. and lending money at high interest rates. Ah. He also, ironically, sold meat in town to supplement his income. Remember, he was a annoying vegetarian. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> his name was Soprano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, uh, you know, I do some stuff. I uh, sell meat. You know, I also uh, take some bets. <laughs> I bet on whether or not they could uh, pay me back. <laughs> Mostly they can. (laughs) (laughs) Then I bet I'm not uh, I can break the legs. (laughs) So this ironic business venture with the meat would prove to be fatal. Uh Oh. On Thanksgiving Day of 1872, Snow was hauling a large pig carcass home when he died of heart failure trying to get it up the front steps. Oh, no. Some say that he was trying to carry it on his back and was crushed by the weight in a snowstorm and died that way. Regardless, he was put in his casket and the undertaker who was charged with looking in on his corpse only went for three of the seven days. As you, yeah. Snow's second wife had told the undertaker that three days was quite enough. <laughs> Some say she felt sorry for the man who had to travel through a snowstorm to look in on a corpse. 
while others say she wanted to make certain that he would be buried, whether or not Snow was alive or dead. Ah. Mm -hmm. Because he did sound quite annoying and insufferable. Yep. Mm, Snow killed by snow. (laughs) Snow on snow crime. (laughs) When will it end? (laughs) When will it end? (laughs) Popcorn's ghost was said to rise from its tomb on the anniversary of his death to visit his second wife's burial plot as she didn't want to be buried in the tomb with him. (laughs) He is said to stand there by her grave all through the night and return to his tomb by dawn. He was also said to have been buried on a bed of popcorn. (laughs) I really fucking love popcorn. His name's Popcorn, (laughs) dude. You don't don't get that nickname for nothing. Who the hell loves anything that much? (laughs) Bury me with my popcorn. Oh my god. I mean, god. some people want their jewels and their, you know, yeah. their most precious belonging. His, he wants his popcorn. His first request was like, all right, I want a big skillet. <laughs> 40,000 popcorn. I want to be buried in a skillet. Yeah. No, no, I want to be lit up. I want to be made into popcorn. Make me into popcorn. And, and then all of you eat me <laughs> with milk. So his story and eccentric life became somewhat of a local legend, and it seems that people began to break into his tomb after a while to get a look at old popcorn and see if the legends were true. And they got a little popcorn, you know, for the troubles. <laughs> his tomb and coffin became a local tourist attraction of sorts, and it didn't take long before some dickhead broke the window on his coffin. His body, which had been remarkably preserved from the tightly sealed casket, began to decay rapidly. Mm-hmm. His coffin and tomb were sealed up again, but was relocated with all of the other bodies of the nearby cemetery to make way for the Quabbin Reservoir. His tomb was destroyed, and he is now buried in Quabbin Cemetery. One can go see the remnants of his home on Route 32A in Petersham and visit his grave in the cemetery. Those sightings have slowed since moving his body, some say on November nights. You might catch a glimpse of him skulking around the cemetery, looking for his beloved tomb. The sound of crunching popcorn <laughs> hanging in the quiet air. <laughs> crunch. Oh my gosh. You know, that reminds me of the exploding bishop in uh, St. Augustine. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Yeah, same type of coffin. Um, and, uh, I've definitely heard stories before of when those metal coffin windows get broken open, the body decays rapidly. That's a common thing. Yeah. I think we, um, well, actually, no, I I was trying to think back to the very first episode where we were talking about, um, Oswald. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember his body was preserved, but I don't remember if it was from the, from a casket being tightly sealed or if it was just from the, um, from the weather. Yeah, I can't, I can't really I recall can't that. Remember. That was yeah. quite a while ago. Yeah, it was. <laughs> anyway, but it was kind of very same, similar thing. We're very well preserved. Yeah, and, and things like that. So, yep. Crazy. But that was the tale that of old popcorn. A, a nutty. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was a fun one. I saw it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's great. <laughs> I love it. It's like it's such a strange coffin. I, I guess. I guess uh, I'm, like I wasn't aware. Of of, yeah, I wasn't like aware the viewing of viewing windows. Ma- yeah, viewing windows in yeah. a coffin is so macabre. Fucking Victorians, man. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I know I've seen pictures of children's coffins with viewing windows. Mm -hmm. What year do you think? What does it? Did it say what year when the the um, glass got broken? Uh, no, it was pretty vague at that point. Um, it was probably within ten years. Yeah, it was well because they, like I said, you know, they moved his body in all the cemetery because they actually evacuated these this part of the area uh, to make. To make that reservoir. Oh, okay. So, so it could have been quite a while. Yeah. So I don't know when the reservoir was made. I didn't actually look that up. It didn't seem important to the story. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it probably was, you know, sometime before then. Yeah. I was just trying to see which generation's at fault. <laughs> just, I don't know. It could have been it's 1930s a fucking Edwardian. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Who knows? It, it tracks. It tracks. Yeah. I mean, like. That would really suck if it was like until 2010. Jeez, <laughs> like, guys. Like, come on. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, I love that popcorn ghost. That's, that's yeah, so it's fun. fun. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I mean, 
that is insane. And you know that what is that disease? That's what I was gonna say earlier. What is that disease where people are? And maybe not. It's mental disease where people only can eat certain color foods. Oh, I don't know. I don't you know what it's called, called but yeah. I, I know what you're talking they about. They have that like is that, is that a, like my strange obsession kind of thing? Or? Yeah, I think they've covered it before yeah. on there. Yeah. I wonder if he was like you know had that milk and popcorn. That is really weird. Very I wonder specific. If it's like, yeah. yeah. I wonder if his house is all white. Well, I think David Bowie just subsisted on milk and green peppers for a long time he and did. a lot of cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like bell peppers or? Yeah. yeah yeah wow gross <laughs> that is, as terrible. the tales go yeah oh yeah he's he, jalapeno that's what i was thinking jalapeno but he's british there's no way <laughs> they can't they can't handle that that's <laughs> very true <laughs> oh, man. i can't even do paprika <laughs> sorry to all our british listeners <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, yeah, that was Haunting in Legends of Massachusetts. Yeah, and there's so many more, so we might revisit the state at some point. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm sure there's other disasters and things that we will be, um, you know, traveling back to Massachusetts for a lot of different things, I'm sure. Yeah. Boston just seems to be fucking wild. It's a crazy place. Yeah, Yeah. it seems crazy. Full of history. Being as old as it is, I, I imagine they have some amazing ghost stories. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Love to go on a tour Yeah, we'll there. definitely hone in on some famous buildings here next time. For yeah. Because sure. yeah, there was sure. quite a lot to sift through um, yes. trying to find ghost stories and, you know, trying to pick pick the ones that we wanted to do for this one. Yeah. I want to um, do bunghole liquors at some point. That just seems <laughs> I saw that one. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to do it. Yeah. There's a couple of hotels and things like that. So, yeah, yeah, we'll definitely revisit. Trying to think. Yeah. Before we go, um, if there's any ghost Nope. <laughs> Not a single ghost. <laughs> I'm sure my mom had has a bunch. She's got a bunch of, uh, you know, she lived there for so long. I'm sure my mom has a ton. Yeah. She would t- oh, I bet she would love to be on this. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could set her up ghost sometime. Kale, you wouldn't yeah. believe it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, you mom. couldn't walk without <laughs> stepping on one. <laughs> Uh, so I guess we should do socials. Yes. Uh, you guys should already know this, but I guess I'll I guess I'll give them to you guys. <laughs> so you can follow us on Facebook at Under the Pendulum Podcast, on Instagram at Under Pendulum Podcast, on Twitter, I don't know for how much longer, at Pendulum underscore pod, <laughs> on TikTok, I also don't know for how much longer, at <laughs> Under the Pendulum. And you can find all our episodes on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, or almost anywhere else you listen to your pods. And you can uh, follow me um, on the street or grocery store, um, you know, anywhere you see me. Just don't follow too closely. Now accepting (laughs) applicants for stalkers. (laughs) Just keep your distance, but you're welcome to follow me. (laughs) Well, you can find me, Heather. On Facebook at Heather Thomas, Instagram h.n.thomas, and Twitter at Heather W. Thomas. And you can find my narrations on Creepy, Tales to Terrify, Chilling Tale for Dark Nights, and I also recently did one for Podcastle. Oh, nice. Do not follow my wife on the street. You can find me on Facebook by searching for Christopher Weber and on Instagram by searching for Christopher Weber 13V. And you can follow Caitlin uh, on Instagram at Frothy Star Dog. Yep. And she was sad she couldn't make it, but. Yep. Yep. Well, she better be here next time. She's getting a big, she's getting a big new job, britches on. Yep, that's right. (laughs) Big new fancy job. Uh, She's relocated to Portland too, so she'll no longer be reporting from LA. Nope, she'll now be reporting from Portland. She did join a militia, so. (laughs) Yeah, she's, she's a little different now. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be I all heard, right. I heard she 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 did a mohawk, didn't she? She a did mo- a what? A mohawk. She shaved oh. her her head and iron. Did she really? No. No. no? Oh, she, <laughs> I was like, damn. All right. <laughs> you know, a militia really changes yeah. somebody. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. She, she's now a white supremacist. Oh, God, I, I, no. just, I just fell into that. Jesus. She's in a, a compound out there, I believe. You will not Do replace not slander us. Caitlin. Yeah, she, no, yeah. She'll be very she, upset when she, she hears really this. She really hates Jews now. 
Oh, no. <laughs> no, she doesn't. <laughs> she loves him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, we kid. We love, we love everyone. Thank you all for listening. Um, yes. We'll be back with another episode, and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Uh, oh, my God. Thank <laughs> you.